Hi, everybody. Welcome to Bad Tabletop Gaming Podcast. We've got a special guest with us here. Uh, John, introduce yourself. Hey, John. Um, I am uh, from the Boys of the Golden Throne <laughs> podcast, um, and I was invited here. <laughs> and then we've got Andy. Right here. You'll see me fit my face a lot on these things, so... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, Andy and Dan weren't able to join us today. But, uh, Bill and Dan. Bill and Dan, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, so if this is your first time tuning in, check out our YouTube page. Um, check out our Instagram, Facebook account. We've got uh, we've got all that bat reps. Primark fights are now going on. We're releasing them twice a month, so check those out. The next one is uh, Fulgrim versus Magnus. Uh, that's a that's a fun one to watch. I promise. Um, we've got a couple of sponsors. Andy, want to tell us a little bit? So yeah, we have uh, Tony from uh, Hammerhead Games. He's one of our sponsors. He's got some really awesome gear. Uh, he uh, makes you know templates like that kind of thing. Um, trays for your armies, uh, objective tokens, all that kind of stuff. Check him out. And we also have uh, Matt at uh, Pop Goes the Monkey. If you're looking for any bits specifically for legions or even 40k armies and stuff like that, he's the guy. Go check him out. You can find tons of stuff there. So perfect. Okay, we're gonna get into Sons of Horus right away. Yes. So, John, you play Sons of Horus, right? How long have you uh, played them? Uh, I have played them since whenever Book Two came out. So okay. I'm so pretty, pretty years, much as years. OG as you can get for them, yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yes. Uh, do you have any idea how big of an army you got? Um, well, I think painted I have about 10,500 points. Okay. And then total, it's with, with yeah, I have a bunch of stuff that is unpainted right now that I'm slowly plugging away at uh it's probably around fifteen thousand points i would guess well you must only be like the only warhammer player out there that has unpainted models what's that i think you must be the only warhammer player out there that has unpainted models <laughs> what he's painting why, right why, now <laughs> why is that Okay, like every they're just the way you said it oh. it was like a shame oh that. i see what you mean i thought when you said out there i was like do you mean here i just had this whole like overthinking because like our <laughs> friggin group is insane about painting getting their stuff painted so i was just like do you mean like in victoria because that's kind of true like people in victoria are definitely up on their painting um wow. yeah i nice. know it's uh it's common and here i'll tell you i'll tell you what though like it's only been in the last year and a half two years really about two years that i've actually gotten the vast majority of the stuff done so i used to be someone who had 90 percent of their models were unpainted and uh, that kind of changed so yeah i feel like that's the reason why i would go to tournaments or commit because i would paint stuff for it Otherwise, I found it very difficult to motivate to actually get stuff done. Yeah, so that's like kind of what happened with our our kind of yeah. So we had like a bunch of players who kind of didn't commit to painting, to be honest. And um, 
we are this when I say we I mean our group up here in Victoria um, we run events and um, we uh, we started running them about two or three two, I guess it was two and a half years ago now and basically my buddy AJ who is the host of our um, podcast he decided just to start running these events like he, he basically we were listening to I Horus um, we both would get inspired by but not, not so much of because running event is a, a lot of work but one day he just decided he was like you know um i don't know if you guys throw f-bombs i should have asked this before you record i don't know if you guys swear on this podcast or if it's family friendly but f it <laughs> and uh he decided to start <laughs> running good. events and within our group the amount of people that immediately just it was such a change in perspective towards painting because it wasn't just like oh i have to get this done it was like oh i have a reason to get this done and it's kind of exciting because we're going to go to this event and we're going to have you know our first event was only 10 people but you're going to go there and you're going to have a bunch of literally it's gonna be all painted armies like of course i want to paint my army I, i've never seen tables with all painted armies i've never seen tables that are fully painted with, with painted armies before basically because you know most of us come from shop gaming or whatever and yeah. but yeah so i'm with you there like the events they make a they make a huge difference i think that's that's what we hear over and over again is like events are a great excuse to paint and to start new projects or 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 you know yeah so what made it's you great. start what made you start Oh, it sounds horse. I played Black Legion, okay. and I was always really, uh, I really liked Abaddon specifically. That was kind of what drew me to Black Legion, I think, initially, because Abaddon was just kind of the biggest baddie, um, and I also just <laughs> liked in the in the art in like the fourth edition Chaos Marine book, like. The sons of Horus were always just kind of portrayed as these like ruthless, like they all just had like spikes on their armor and like they weren't so far as like corn marines, but they were this sort of brutal looking like top knot like warrior, uh, you know, a very very uh, balanced but aggressive and like just kind of known for being like close in fighters, but not so one dimensional as like world leaders where they all just have chain axes and are like rav rav ravaging idiots. They were sort of known to be, I think the way that I had always read it is they were kind of known to be one of the more balanced and, and self-sustaining legions and effective legions because of that. So when heresy started, I mean, everyone in, my group got pretty excited about it, but it was basically, I think for like with most people, it was like the tail end of sixth edition and moving into seventh edition. It's better becoming clear that 40K was becoming less of what I wanted. And then when reading these black books, they were just so loaded with like cool rules cool units cool everything and then honestly once uh there was like a picture of Horus that leaked yeah i can't remember where it was it was just on the internet it was like the first picture of, of the model and it was just like i had already kind of started them at the point but i was playing them as like a chaos marine army 
mm-hmm. and a sons of you know what i mean i was kind of like playing them as like 40k and 30k but the model came out it was pretty much yeah at that was, point was, you were it was without a doubt <laughs> that i was like yes i'm going to play the one other guy who was base time and he was going to start word word bearers but yeah when that horace model came out i was like well i undeniably cannot not not do this now like um yeah so answer is combination of the models and just in general the uh the sort of fluff of abaddon and then the black legion in general but just you know the reading the books and loving the whole like the, the luna wolves going to the sons of horus going to the the black legion i was like a legion this came from yeah right yeah i think myself like we were all kind of choosing in a group of who's going to play what and i wasn't one of the first ones to start so for me it was one a combination of what did somebody not play and it was actually the uh the first books the the fluff books that they have the uh, black library came out i don't know horse rising or what that was the first yeah. one yeah horse, right. horse rising, rising and yeah. um, false gods yeah. yeah and it was those yep. two that really I, I i did fall in love with them i mean i liked loken but he's that classic good guy yeah right? i definitely wanted to be yeah him, right and i didn't want to play him even though they, they the character was awesome the way they they portrayed yeah. him but definitely wanted to to do the dark side right but myself i uh, started the same as you i did like 40k and 30k so i built a legion that kind of can do both yeah. and that's why my central horse haven't been completely uh, moved over to to 30k because i do have a lot of marines that don't actually fit like mk2 mk3 mk4 so that's going to be in the progress at some point in the future but i still have a bunch of like mk6 7 8 marines that i had originally oh yeah okay just it's just like a 40k army that i used until you know we started until the plastic basically came out because i really didn't like um resin mk2 marines at the time right so kind of and then once the plastic stuff started coming out i was like yes the mk4 mk3 they're just awesome and now the molds and stuff are a lot better than they used to be as well so it's worth buying that stuff without having to do a ton of free stuff work on there. So let's look at a little bit of the rules. So for Sons of Horus, like which when you build your army, what red war do you like to use of theirs? Because they have a bunch uh, of special rules, right? Yeah, 90% of the time well maybe that's probably an exaggeration, but more often than not, I these days I use um the long march. Mm-hmm. Um it's a good right of war for a few reasons. So I'll, I guess I'll get this off the top. The 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 top. So are you guys are a little bit more competitively focused, right? Like, is that we the case? Like, is we okay? So you like our our sort of group is generally like very. Uh, we, we're narrative, but we're we have more competitive players. We have players who are very familiar with the rules, but our sort of king, the king in every sort of list and the way that we play is generally going to be based on fluff it's going to be sort of like it has to be it has to be narratively driven but we're also not going to bring like crappy lists necessarily yeah and i think i think that's what we're going to that are effective and narratively good yeah okay so yeah i think the the, did you ask what the the unit wise 
Oh, Right of War was. Yeah. So right Long March, I like personally. Um, Sons of Horus are a legion. Is there? As far as where they sit with the other legions, they have very high highs in terms of their effective, uh, their efficiencies and what they're good at. But they have fairly low lows too. They have a lot of me mediocre stuff is how I generally find them. Mm -hmm. So we only have one good unique Red of War and I believe that's Long March. Um, the, the Black Raving one is extremely limiting. I like it. I use it sometimes because it's fluffy. And when I'm going to go into a game where I know that I'm not going to be playing like dick-kicking Mechanicum or something, I will use it sometimes. But if I'm going to be playing a game where I know that there's going to be like lots of armor or lots of robots or, lo or whatever, insert durable, scary, tough thing, scary, scary list, um, I generally don't use it. It's a very, very limiting right of war. Long March is pretty good because it has almost no limitations. And the benefits are pretty good on it. And it's also a fairly flexible right of war, I think, in some ways. So the ability to have um, in your own deployment zone um, relentless, I found that to be pretty effective in some games. It depends on the list that you're fighting against, right? It also, obviously also depends on the list that you're using. But because it has these three different effects based on where you are deployment-wise, if you're in your deployment zone, you're getting relentless. If you're in no man's land, you're getting fleet. And then if you're in the enemy's deployment zone, you're getting um, Crusader. 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 Yeah. yeah. So it works with a lot of lists and it has very few limitations. And then it also allows you to take Terminators as troops, if I remember correctly. I'm not looking at my book right now, but this is what I remember. Um, I don't actually have the. That right of war ahead of me either because it's not in the original book or in, take the, a look. in the army book yeah but so, so yeah done, so yeah. you can take legion terminators can be chosen as non-comp troops which is like a decent you know it's 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 an all right it's an all right bonus i guess it frees up some slots um sons of horus are, are a list where i think like a lot of times if you I feel like it's if you want to get certain units, you end up having to play either set rights of war, or you have to take Horus, or you have to take Malgahurs. And there's a, lot of, there's a lot of there's a lot of. I run Horus semi frequently. Like I don't say I would say I, my army is huge, so I don't run him all the time. But a lot of times, if I'm running a drop list, if I'm running a drop list, I almost undoubtedly want Horus, not only for the factor that it's cool and. Most of my drop lists have like a bunch of first company in them, so it just feels thematically good. It's also so synergized with the lists. It's like it's hard to say no because not taking Horus in a drop list, it feels like you're like losing a lot of the best parts of that. Like his rules just suit that really well. Um, but. Yeah, in terms of rights of war, I like that the uh, the, the the long march mostly because it's a pretty uh, balanced. Um, the fleet is really nice. Let me tell you, like having fleet for just Aaron Terminators or like a squad of tactical Marines or whatever, and, and a Storm Eagle or whatever you may have that's in the middle of the battlefield. It's like huge, um, and Relentless is huge too. I've had I've literally had like a plasma gun veteran squad like 
fighting a world eater's army, be backed into a corner and be like, blap, dump like, you know, 18 shots of plasma into a, a, um, uh, what do you call it? The psycho feel pain five attack friggin' world leaders tactical marines oh uh, the uh, inductee right. yeah yeah exactly so having that and then charging into them at the last like it, it, after that this can be can be pretty powerful and then uh, people can also under underestimate crusader because honestly um if you are in someone's back line failing a moral check and if you have crusader it, it suddenly means that unit is most likely going to get swept which is pretty can be pretty bad sometimes <laughs> for people um i i particularly have a uh uh tartaros terminator squad that i'll run a lot of times and nice. basically the only way that i've effectively found to run my storm eagle is i run five tartaros and three of them have lightning claws they all have combi plasma and then two have uh, chain fists and I just run them as an infantry killing unit because they can sweep. So yeah. the chain fists are just there as a just in case and that they're good for that. But you charge into a squad, you might kill six infantry, whatever. Um, you're getting the three attacks each of the lightning claws, potentially getting the extra attack. You might end up killing like six infantry. And then that crusader, like having an extra D3 to your, um, to your, overrun roll or whatever your uh, sweeping, sweeping advance is like it's just almost guarantees you're going to wipe out the unit which is very uh specific scenario but when it happened when it works it's like it's great because <laughs> i've had I've, I've i've overrun like big squads of like blood angels uh um uh salt marines and stuff like that like squads that are worth more points than my terminators <laughs> just because i got the charge off on them and swept them it's like boop dead dead unit um and then the re-rolling the ones the ones to hit is pretty nice so like sometimes one of my favorite lists right now for centurion i don't know do you guys play centurion we have played yep yeah so one of my favorite this is my new favorite combo uh, I own two Sikarans, and I have turrets for basically every variant, but I more often than not run them as Sikaran Punishers. And my new favorite combo that I've recently discovered is just through like reading through the rules and like noticing specific wording. Um, the Master Signals has, um, I can't remember what it is, what it's, what it's called, the, uh, the Cognus Signum, I believe. Mm -hmm. He can use that on a unit. Doesn't yep. specify that it's a vehicle, doesn't specify any of that. So you can put that onto your Sakaran Punishers to make the Ballista Skill 5, the, both the entire unit. And then with Long March, on the first turn, you're, everything uh, is rerolling ones to hit. So you have this, like, whatever they are, 30 shots each, like, hitting on twos, rerolling ones. And it's pretty fun in Centurion, let me tell you that, because <laughs> it's just it's a, such a heavy, heavy infantry-heavy uh, mode, or Chondax or Centurion, whatever. It's such an infantry-heavy uh, setting that having that many shots coming down with re-rolls is, like, pretty awesome. Yeah, I know I take the uh, Master Signal all the time in my Ultramarine Army, too. He's it's... pretty good. Yeah. Right? <laughs> He's pretty good. Yeah. He's definitely, yeah, very... Yeah. Plus, he's got uh, the upper then, Yeah. Who is that? Well, I was going to say that Rite of War definitely seems like a no brainer, right? Um, a lot of times, even if you're building a little yeah. bit of a tougher list, 
um, you usually, again, we're talking competitive versus narrative, right? Like if you're building a tougher list, you want to run something like pride or, you know, something that minimizes those tactical Marines. Cause a lot of times you don't find them as useful. Um, where if you want to do that with sons of Horus, very easy as Horus already does that for you. So the long March irrelevant of how you play, I feel is, is yeah, that's choice, definitely right? another one that I used a lot of is pride of the legion. That was kind of my go-to for a long time, but here's the thing with sons of Horus. And I, I think in general, I do think tactical squads are highly underrated. They win games a lot of times. The best lists that I see generally have lots of tactical Marines. Having a giant list with nothing but... Um, and th that's the thing. I play elite armies with my Sons of Horus. I tend to play elite armies. It's not because I think it's the best way to play or anything. It's because I like... I have a ton of Just Aaron. I have a ton of Terminators. I like veterans. I like to play low model count elite armies generally. Dreadnoughts, stuff like that. But like... A lot of times, tactical marines are what win games because they're scoring. And not only that, but they are they are just ubiquitous in the sense that like they have a ton of attacks in combat. They can fury the legion. If you have one with a power fist and you're fighting like whatever a giant unit, or even if you're fighting like a like a like like a bunch of robots or something, it's a lot to get through a giant tactical marine squad. And I think it depends on Legion to Legion, but what I've been learning lately because I've been starting to play slightly less elite armies is that I think Tactical Marines are actually really good for Sons of Horus because they're one of the units that can make the most use out of outnumbering. Yes. And that, that Merciless Fighters rule very rarely comes into effect to an effective level, but like because most of the things are either going to be, like, you're either going to be not outnumbering them in a unit, or you're going to have a bunch of bunch of guys who have unwieldy weapons, or you're going to have a unit that's only 10-man strong, so you're only getting, by the end of combat, you're getting maybe six extra attacks or something like that. You're not going to do that much damage. But when you have a giant tactical squad or an assault squad or something like that charging a unit, that extra potentially 20 attacks can become a lot. Mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. So... Uh do you find uh so for your units, what what would your favorite unit out of the forty or out of the sense of horror speed? Like do you find you run reavers at all? I guess those are two different questions. But um I run reavers but strictly because I think they're cool fluff wise. As far as in game they're they're just very underpowered for their cost. They feel a little veterans. overpriced. I, I don't know if they're like yeah. they're like you kinda hit it. I don't know if they're necessarily weaker. But I would say that they're overpriced, just just slightly, because if you veterans can almost do the same thing. I think if Reaver, this is the thing that I've been saying forever, is if they made Reaver's weapon skill five, and they dropped their their points cost slightly to be more on par with veterans, I think they'd be a good unit. But as they well, are the right now, they're awesome too, right? What's that? Like the ability to take chain axes for a point for the whole unit. Exactly, for sure. Yeah. I mean, like exactly. But there's just so many picture, points that like. Yeah, yeah. But if you see any picture, they all have them. They should just come stock with chain axes. I don't. Yeah, understand I would agree. Don't. Yeah, I, like, that's that. It's yeah, a point. Sure. Who cares? Right. They should yeah. come stock, and if yeah. you wanna, or if it you just wanna change it, you're able to well, give them jump well, packs too, right? 
That's right. Like yeah, if you go to the jump packs and they're they're the jump packs are at okay price. I I have twenty five reavers. I do use them. They're a very mediocre unit for their that they're very like they have cool rules. I like that they can um single out other models if they like they all have persistent strike. I do use that sometimes. It's very rare, but like sometimes I'll get the edge up on a tactical squad with that. Or not a tactical squad, but an assault squad with that. By yeah, charging in, in and get a bunch of sixes, you're like sergeant, right? I'm taking, then... I'm taking out power weapons. I'm taking like they're, like a lot of times you'll have a guy with a power weapon. It's not a character, so I'm like, okay, he's dead with this power power uh, sword attack or whatever before he gets to yeah. attack. It it seems um, like it seems like the legions kind of have a lot of these kind of units, these mid tier units almost. Yeah. Right? Well, it's brutal for Sons of Horus specifically because they only have two units. That's the big thing. It's like we have two units and one of them is mediocre. Well, the other one is Reavers. You run Reavers, I'll run Headhunters, and then we'll be even. That's okay. We both got <laughs> mediocre units. Well, even then, though, man, I think I think head like I I don't know Headhunters that well, but to me on paper they look better than Reavers. From shooting, they can be because they've got like the Bane Strike ammunition. So if Reavers could make it into combat, that's a different story. But from shooting like the yeah you know AP three on sixes, Reavers don't have the better armor. So technically, they would be a little bit better, right? But but yeah. Um. So what would your favorite unit then be? Uh, just Aaron. Just Aaron. Yeah, yeah. Undoubtedly, um, they were the worst unit, worst Terminator, well, worst right? unit in the game, flat out. They were what two twenty five for three originally. I think more. And then they I don't have my book close to me, but yeah, they were. No, yeah, they were. They were initially. I remember quite well. Yeah, they the three two twenty five for yeah. three, and then they downed them to two hundred five for three, and they had all the same rules. Everything was exactly the same, except they were one wound. And then well, when they changed them, yeah, they're two fifty five for five now. Two wounds. Yeah, they're they are the they are a very good unit. They're beat stick. Yeah. They well, are cheap too, right? Like forty points for an extra one with five weapon skill, two wounds. Like they're. they're I think yeah, I think their point cost is is like perfect for what they are. They're like the same cost as Sekmet Terminators, but not under costed or not over costed. I would scoring. Argue that they are undercosted. To be honest, if you compare them to some of the other Legion Terminators, right? Just because I think they're because they um, they come with stubborn, they come with fierce charge. They all have chosen warrior, right? And yeah, they come with the power weapons, but you can get yeah. The it would depend on what unit, you, what, what Terminator unit are you comparing them to at that point? Um, I don't know. Majority of the special units, right? You look at uh, well. Well, let's not talk about Emperor's Children because their Terminator units is by far the yeah, most. Yeah, they're expensive. they're overcost. Like brutal, yeah. But like even the Larnian Terminators, for example, right? The Alpha Legion ones, because those are those I'm familiar with. Yeah, but they're mad Terminators. That like if you're you're comparing that's them fair. to units that are underpowered. That's like, I guess you're comparing like the units that are so like, that's that's a yeah, well, you, you com are comparing them to to uh, to to Fire, Fire Drake's comparing them to yeah. uh, what about Butchers? They're called. Butchers, exactly. So, Comparing them to the new the Dark Angels Terminators, which are ooh, like, they're not actually. two wounds, but they're pretty pretty good. Yeah, the plasma um, weapons are are quite sick. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and a bunch of instant death swords, <laughs> which is just gonna be brutal for some armies. 
<laughs> yeah, against some armies, you're right. You're right. That's, no, that, that's what I'm saying about the Just Aaron, though. Is like I, I think they are perfectly costed because of that. They are like the perfect middle ground of like there's some you know, like Sekhmet are the same cost. I think Sekhmet are under cost. Actually, Sekhmet are slightly cheaper. I think they're slightly under costed. Um, there's there's a bunch that are over costed. Obviously, you know you mentioned uh, uh, what do they call the Palantine blade? Not Palantine blades. Yeah. Uh, uh, Phoenix Phoenix Guard. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Phoenix Terminators, they're so overcosted for what they do. Yeah, for sure. And the thing is, is that the two wounds, uh, it's effective, but a lot of people forget that, like, you can get some pretty nasty Terminators for the same cost, right? You look at uh, what what Imperial Fist can do for 45 or 50 points for a Terminator with a 3-up invul and a potentially having a tough, toughness 5 and all having hammers and, like... Mm -hmm. And being in Tartarus armor, like you can get some pretty nasty, some nasty I think the, units. Out I think there. the Tartarus ones get pricey because it's I think fifteen points for a storm shield in Tartarus, and mm. they get yeah. they get quite. So pricey. it's forty five points. Yeah, I don't actually have yeah. their uh, their yeah. thing here, but but yeah, no, I I like to just Terran too. They also like to the fluff, like they're awesome. Like yeah, exactly. You, you read through the I like their look. Yeah, they're, like they're the, look, the model. They're my favorite Terminator mm -hmm. model. Yeah. yeah, they're gorgeous. They're actually yeah. exactly what you um, imagined they would be in terms of a model. Like when I read the books and then I saw the yeah, model. Yeah, they're brutal. Like, oh, yeah, and I like love it. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. I I think all the Sons of Horus models are, are amazing. Yeah. I think they've right. done a beautiful job of making them look like these, yeah, these sort of gang, gang warfare, kind of like brutal, but not over the top, just sort of. Yeah. Just kind of like a clan, right? Like, yeah, they just they scream that whole uh, tribe kind of clan kind of. Yeah, exactly. That's that's exactly it. It's like that, but like not not in as far as space wolves go. It's like a very good. Mm. I always I feel like their aesthetic is it has a subtlety to it that makes it really great. It's like it has a com a combination of like almost like Roman. Like you've got the horsehair helmets and stuff like that, but then you've also got the sort of like tribal, like spiky bits everywhere, and like like weird Chthonian markings and stuff on them, and yeah. So I definitely well, think they nailed that. What would one of your like biggest like favorite pieces of fluff be of the Sons of Horus? I mean, there's tons because it's really hard because they're yeah. an amazing legion, but. I'll, I'll tell you mine, and then you can you can sure. think about it. One of the things I really like is um, the fact that I'm completely drawing a blank. I literally was thinking about it, and now <laughs> I cannot think of it. It has to do with the gangs on Katoria. Oh my god! Is it the mirror Just... coins stuff? Yes, that's right. That's right. It was the the the, the fact that the the coins and the, the groups that fight. Why can't I think of the word now? Again, I'm drawing a blank. The gangs, the, the, chieftains. No, 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 no. The the stuff that started the heresy that they lodges, the, the lodges. Thank oh, the you. lodges yeah. that fit so perfectly in their legion that yeah. it's almost like it should have been part of the legion. Like when they talked about that legion, it's almost like preordained. Yeah, and like Loken kind of argued. He's like, oh, I don't believe in that. But I was like. No, that's Catonian. But Loken's also Terran, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But definitely, like to me, that was like 
that makes perfect sense. Like, why yeah. would you be against this? Like, this is Sansa Horus, right? Like, yeah. it made perfect, perfect sense. So that's something that I, I kept thinking about, and I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. And then, of course, you know, they use it for bad reasons. Them and White Scar, like, yeah. same thing. Same thing, like, White Scars too. like, it fits so well yeah. with the lodges, right? Yeah, for sure. It's like a s- vaguely superstitious warrior mm. tribe. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and they talk about yeah. how Loke and how much trouble he had with like the whole ritual of the, yeah. you know, bringing him into the um, Mornival inner circle. Mornival, thank you. Yeah. 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 I, that's I, a, that's the thing that they they continue with that theme in the later books too because they talk oh, yeah. about how they want they want Abaddon and uh uh Ter- Termagon or not yeah is it Termagon it might not be Termagon yep. it might be uh um uh Echidon, actually I think it's Echidon but how they how they only want true sons in the Mournable mm-hmm. and Horus comments that like we should be getting a mixture. That's the point of the Mournable. We should be having, we should have Terrans as well because it gives us a balanced, we want to have a, a balanced of views sort of, yeah. Love that stuff. Yeah, the stories are just amazing. Like, I know myself, the one part, you know, really kind of stood out is when Horus is wounded and they're they're bringing him back on yeah. the ship. And yeah. it just shows how much loyalty and shows how much humanity they still have in them by, you know, rushing, rushing their, their greatest leader to, to get help. Right. And it almost had yeah. a sense of, they were still worried. Right. Um, yeah. Even though they're all genetically, you know, done up and whatever. And, and everybody thinks that they're just That's hard. That's most defining characteristic right? too. Yeah, it's so it's literally like the idea that Horus drove that legion to be what it's all debatable, right? But I think if you read very generally read the fluff as as a historical fiction, it is generally acknowledged that the sons of Horus were one of, if not the best legion in terms of um, uh, record of. Uh, planets, um, I think so too. Uh, brought into uh, compliance, compliance, yeah. right? And like part of that is because they're built for that. Their their style of war is going to be is terrific for that, right? It's the it's the overwhelming force on the most you know vulnerable spot. But the idea that it's Horus. It made them special and it's their um it was their view of their father that made them the best it wasn't them as a legion it was horus that brought them to the heights that he, that they were all the primarchs have done that within their legions but sons of horus that is a particular theme with them of uh, they followed their their father into hell but they looked at him with an admiration that Noah, I don't think any other Legion could match for the way yeah. that they viewed their, their gene father or whatever. I also strongly believe that like, if we look at it, I know it's a story being written, but if we look at the characters themselves and we look at Loken, if Loken, I don't know how long, I don't think they mentioned of how long he was 
part of the Morneval. But I feel that if he was there longer, things may was have been part of the Morneval. Yeah, yeah. Because mm. I feel like that, like Not really quickly. No, no. And I feel like if he was longer there and spent more time with Horace, I don't think it would have been that easy. And I use that term loosely um, for him to go back and say no. Separate I am for the emperor exactly as opposed yep. to Horus, because sure. um, it definitely you know. So I think if he was there longer, like the way his character the is, bond. I think he would have fallen yeah. in love with, more with him, um, and then it would have been yeah. a lot different to a story, right? I, I I feel at least the way they built his character, right? So um, where he, yeah, and the way they built Horus's character, right? Like he's and, and extremely charismatic, right. like. And and yeah, it's true. Like they they have him wrestle with that, right? He literally confronts Horus at one point. Mm-hmm. In yeah, uh, yeah. I think it's the Slaves to Darkness, or maybe it's uh, uh, maybe it's uh, oh, what is it called? The uh, Lehman Russ versus Horus book, the uh, Wolf. Oh, I just seen the title. Wolfsbane. That. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Wolfsbane. Um. Yeah, he has to come to terms with that, and it's it's true though. I agree. It's and that's kind of like the whole chaos thing too, right? It's like the longer you're kind of under the influence, the more likely you are to turn. Because most yeah. of the sons of Horus that turned, like they believed strongly that Horus was right. It's not like they're they were following like, oh, him. We're doing, exactly. we're doing something bad. No, they felt that they were doing right. Unlike some yep. other beacons, I feel that kind of yeah change for and they were also positioned you know they were gang they they literally came from a a mining planet of gang Mm -hmm. crime lords right so it would make sense that they would view their right there that that's the the whole emperor's design of creating legions with specific things in mind their loyalty to horus was clearly something that was put into them for a reason it just backfired well it's interesting never suspected horus would turn well, those are two points that we don't necessarily agree. There was definitely lots of hints that the Emperor has seen this coming. And in like, a, um, I don't remember exactly where, but I remember them Malkador talking about it, about the design. And I think when he talked about, uh, I think we talked about it with Salamanders, when he genetically built uh, Vulcan so that when he's reborn after he dies, he built that amulet. That allows him to protect Terra from, or destroy Terra, or whatever, um, in case the demons do, you know, kill them all, or do breach the the wall, right? So I feel that the Emperor kind of has like saw that path, and maybe, you know, the ultimate goal of the destruction of the chaos is being followed now, or maybe not. I don't know. Um, I th- but uh, yeah, I've always thought that the Emperor's foresight was like a bunch of channels so mm-hmm. he has mm-hmm. glimpses into the future but he doesn't necessarily know what a future is going to come to pass so he would create fail safes with these primarchs and it is you know it is funny to think of like the ridiculousness of the universe and just like having like primarchs like Kurz and primarchs like angron and being like well what world were you living in where like like the idea that this all-seeing like god being was like it was like too fucking didn't have enough foresight to like 
find out that or figure out that Kurz and fucking Aang Rongo would to betray him. These two batshit fucking like <laughs> broken well, like, fucking monster when, characters, you know. When he gets Angron, and I remember there's a scene with the land guy, I think. Um he or yeah, land yeah, I, I I think it's him or one of the Mechanicum guys, and they're talking and he was brought in to talk to the Emperor about Angron as he's sitting down in a slab because mm-hmm. the Emperor was yeah. looking at removing the nails and I think he the Emperor says something like uh, you know because he has a choice he either has to terminate him right there or he has to use him and in his mind I think the kind of point of the story was that he's a tool um, and then yeah, that's how he's and, and any tool exactly right and then he, even though they're supposed to be his sons but any tool can be used as you know, a knife isn't necessarily evil, it just depends who uses them. So to him, the Primarch Angron was for specific areas, and Horus was to be used here, a lion here. Yeah, that was all the Primarchs here. for sure. Yeah. Right, right. So... I think uh, I, that's that's exactly it, right? It's like, and it's also the idea that like, he designed the Primarchs, and he is the one who put the genetic code into them to be loyal to him. But I don't... Mm-hmm. Obviously, the, the, the easiest way to forgive or to... Uh, Whatever, you, uh, however you want to put the the the. Uh, I'm trying to make, trying to think of the term for it, but essentially, he you can you can write off his ignorance as as him not under him not knowing how far the chaos influence went into these characters, and when you think about how he's yeah. created the custodes as something where entirely loyal to him and how everything he's created has always been entirely loyal to him it's you can always chalk it up it, it to give it a sort of canonical reason or, or make it seem even remotely believable that he couldn't have seen this stuff coming as like hubris of, of just him believing that he uh he had implanted these these whatever he wants to call the prime marks his uh his tools that he he had the fail safes in place that they would never turn on him. What I don't I understand is saw to that Logar. Like I know now we're kind of jumping there, but I feel that he should have seen that one coming because after like, the he has um, to show up in Monarchia and yeah, um, make them. I mean, I undoubtedly think he should have seen a lot of them coming. But I mean, that's <laughs> like like we talk about Angron. Angron's Angron. He kills shit. Like, that I don't even have an issue with. Curse, same thing. He's just really like, pissed Logar off. Logar was the one that, like, clearly he spent this whole time getting rid of religion across the galaxy. And he catches Logar oh, using sure. him as a symbol. And now an entire but faith he also is allows the Mechanicum to have their own religion, right? He bends rules according to how he can make them... The benefit he gets from them. His own yeah. and, and I he, think... I think their idea of it was it didn't matter because if he could get his warp gate research done fast enough, then nothing would matter. He could deal with all that later if he could do that before Horus shows up. I think that's kind of what they were trying to say that in his, like, even though he may have seen it, he felt that if he could do this one thing, then they wouldn't need to use the warp. Gellerfields wouldn't exist. It would be over. Then he could deal with the Mechanicum. He could deal with you know, but at, at this point, they were all Yeah, just... the Emperor was, like, juggling so many plates. Yeah. And then eventually one plate started to kind of go, and then another plate started to kind of go, and 
that's that's yeah it's this whole idea of him like preordaining all these different things but then like the the little cracks of things start coming unraveled or whatever well and we even talk about like uh foresight right like the eldar turned the alpha legion based on foresight that was 100 percent true but then like eldrad specifically says i think we were wrong you know there is a way to do it but in this web that we look you know there's these perpetuals that are i think blocking the site or whatever so then he goes on a mission to you know destroy them all right where you know then he feels that if he can do that he could see and actually see the the, the future clear enough that he could actually fight chaos right even though they were 100 percent sure what they were doing were right was right at the time right so um let's let's actually let's talk let's talk about horus because we're not really gonna go specifically through each unit and, and stuff like that i think for the sons of horus themselves like their rules like you touched on it being able to fight it did you want me to answer the the favorite yes. fluff thing yes yes um yeah okay so there is mm, we've touched on a lot of that chthonian stuff which that that is definitely one of my favorite parts too that was going to actually be like the first part of my answer but uh, there is a very specific piece of fluff that I really like, which is um, they have a night house that's sworn to them, the Sons of Horus. I don't know how to say their name. It's like Aether, Aether. And uh, okay. the story behind that night house is really cool. And that's probably, it's definitely one of, one of if not my favorite sort of pieces of fluff. And it's basically, a, the story is that... During the Olinar campaign, there was a system of planets out on the eastern fringe of the galaxy that was somewhat on the way to the Olinar campaign, I think from Terra, I believe it was, the, was, the, was the idea. I don't have a map in my head, but I think that was the idea, was that it was sort of on the way, but it was kind of like you'd pass by it, you'd get within, you know, you'd, you'd kind of go get within however many light years of it but it had warp storms around it so it was largely ignored and then eventually it became um known that there was a mechanicum forge world in that system and it was actually a night world and there was also another world in the system that had these aliens on it called the Drachnar, Drachnar, I think they were called. I, th I don't know if they were, I can't remember if they were aliens or if they were like an offshoot of humans, but basically these two, two uh, worlds had existed through Old Night. They survived all the way through Old Night, and mainly they survived through Old Night because of this, uh, the, this Drachnar planet whatever they had these brutal brutal overlords they survived however they survived but the night world survived because the knights basically protected it from uh, xenos and demons and all that kind of stuff and if you know anything about old knight the idea of a a forge world that's out, out in the middle of like some fringe surviving old knight is of note it doesn't happen no. <laughs> So, eventually, uh, because they basically got ignored for a long time because I all of them are on precedence. Is that them? What's that? Yeah, that's them. Yep. 
So exactly. So mm -hmm. eventually, um, they they had basically been ignored up until a certain point because Eleanor was taking precedence, and eventually it became clear that there there was this ho that hostile species that was in that system. It was eventually deemed that, okay, they're too hostile, they're too big of a threat to nearby systems, now it was time to go send the Space Wolves in to destroy them. So, at the same time, there was actually Mechanicum, um, Magos and stuff looking, surveying the night planet, and trying to weigh whether or not they should um, try to... Uh, make contact with these knights and try to swear them to their to their allegiance, or whether they should conquer them and then try to claim as reclaim and rebuild as many knights chassis as they in the uh, the aftermath. And what they decided to do was send the space wolves in, and the space wolves were going to kill this this uh, other planet in the system, but they were also going to go and eliminate this night house was the plan. And on their way there. They had they had a bunch of warp turbulence and basically it became like well we can't really do this now so they they went off and did another another thing to do with Eleanor they they found that they like lost like a fleet and they were like all right well this isn't worth it right now I guess we'll put it back on hold we'll go back to Eleanor and at the same time as this is happening and postponing them from actually doing their attack Horus's fleet has just come back from one of the front lines in Eleanor. And he's going, basically, he's coming back from a refueling run. They're going and they're resupplying their fleet. And he's going by this planet. And as he's going by, he noticed he, they're, they're observing the planet and they see that the, that Drachnyar uh, planet is, they're uh, getting ready to attack this night world. So Horus basically tells. He doesn't tell anyone what he's actually doing, but he's like, "All right, well, I'm on hold from uh, going to the front, the front line of Eleanor for a while here." Doesn't really say what he's doing, and he goes down to the surface of the planet with a giant uh, portion of the first company, teleports down to the planet, uh, engages the the Knight Seneschal in one-on-one -on -one combat, tears him apart, and then. The entire night house swears allegiance to him. Is the, the basically the just Aaron are holding off all these knights from trying to kill Horus while he's one on one fighting a fucking knight seneschal and tearing it, jumping up on it, and tearing the fucking the uh, the pilot out of it and holding it up so everyone can see. And all the all the knights basically get like get down on one knee and swear allegiance to him at that moment, and then. He takes his newly found Nighthouse allies and goes to the other planet and kills these fucking Exos. And that is probably my favorite favorite <laughs> Sons of Horus fluff because I just think it's like... Uh, it's pretty epic. <laughs> it's pretty epic. It's pretty awesome. Well, it's kind of awesome and funny. So you say that because then that's why I brought the book. So uh, that's the Nighthouse, right? Yeah. That's the one. I can't pronounce that either. Right. And then yeah, I'm going to turn to the, the aether or something. Aether. Yeah, the pictures of them. You see how beautiful they are. Yeah, and yeah, very, they they sure that, look like certain look. certain somebody's uh, mechanicum. 
Oh, do you play that? That house? Oh, that, that's I awesome. I literally play that house, yes. So that's I awesome, picked specifically dude. somebody that's loyal to Horus, and that's the house had an awesome uh, paint scheme. And so when you started talking about that's it, awesome. I was like, this is very familiar. I know this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. awesome. That's yeah, they cool. were. I, I had to think long and hard about not playing them. I, I I ended up choosing uh, Malinax because I love their scheme and that so much, but it for a while. All right, am I going to do this loyal to Horus uh, <laughs> Nighthouse, or am I just going to give them and just do a, yeah. There's a lot of good ones out there, really, right? Really cool. Malinax are yeah, awesome, for sure, right? So, yeah. Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. Um, yeah, let's talk about Horus, right? Let's, let's talk yeah. about Horus, mm-hmm. so... He's kind of like, he's not the first Primarch that came out, right? That was Angron? Angron was the first, yeah. Memory? Yeah. Yeah, he was in the second half of the Primarchs. I think he was like the six or the seven. Yeah. Maybe a little later. Um, the model's amazing. You've kind of touched on that. Um, he's really, really nice. Yeah. I, have, yeah. I have him about I have him about half painted. Like, he's tabletop now, and I have to get in there. Um, but yeah, he's just an amazing model. Um, it's intimidating to paint a Primarch. It, it is. It is, yeah, yeah. How do you uh, how do you like his rules? I think he's again. I think he's with the Just Aaron, where he's costed appropriately. He's very good. His rules like, are hold up very well. He's very synergistic with the Legion. Like he's one of the. He is the most expensive primer. Yeah, five hundred points. Like five hundred points. He's yep, right for on the sure. Box. Yeah. Stat line with a lot of stuff that benefits the yeah. stat line. I could t- I could probably tell you from memory. Yeah, I'm looking looking at it right now, but yeah, um, so weapon weapon skill eight. Oh, I can't remember the order goes in. Weapon skill eight plus skill five. Yep. Strength seven, toughness six, wounds six, six. initiative six, attacks uh, five plus one for his weapons. Uh, leadership 10, save 2 plus 3 plus. Am I correct? Yep. Yep. Nice. So, I mean, um, and you're right. You kind of touched on some of his rules. So, uh, he he has a weird one where anytime he fights um, a unit or a character with weapons skill 4 or less, he gains D3 extra attacks, which is kind of interesting because it's not like he needs more attacks to kill something with weapons skill 4 or less. But he just makes it down. Well, it's for when he gets outnumbered. He's, you can't bog him down. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the God of Battle is awesome. So, so, so with that, he, sorry, Armor, with that previous rule that you said, with the mm-hmm. the Sire of the Sons of Horus, mm-hmm. there's a second part to that where he, and uh, when he's placed in reserve, that you can elect which turn he arrives on. Uh, second turn onwards, which is right? key. It's one yeah. of the most powerful things about him. Yeah. I mean, when would you not want him coming in second turn? Uh, very limited scenarios. Ninety percent of the time, I pick just pick right. second, second turn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it, it would just be, I could see like mega battles or something, but like mm-hmm. if you're trying to or some yeah. shit, but yeah, I think yeah. Uh, second turn is not in common yeah. choice. And then his uh, god of battle, so he sees it on four plus, which is awesome amazing 
I use it with Alfarius yeah. all the time. I make Very people good. set up first, and then I'm like, well, I'll see he's on four plus. And even if you don't, a lot of times just the fear of you able to like they're they're not, you know, putting themselves offensively. Um, the plus yeah. one leadership special rule is pretty decent uh, when he's present. It's it's not bad. It's pretty good, yeah. Yeah, really like good. most of your stuff is going to be like nine or ten at that point. Right? One and thing then... I'll say though about the C's, the C, the C's thing, I is, it's it's good, but it's only good in like I feel like a third of the games that I have with horror, because more often than not, when I play a horse, and you don't want first turn when you're playing a drop list. That's true. So I it's like in, in right. missions where he's in a Spartan or something, if he if you have the points and you somehow are rocking Horus and a fucking 400 point transport on top of his 500 points and you know that somehow works <laughs> that it's not too bad but definitely is like I remember when I started and I thought I just thought that was a better better I would consider it to be um, yeah very situational it's definitely not something I use all the time no if you're running a drop list you're absolutely right I it know. is a nice option to have though yeah yeah. Um, the other one that I really like is it says any unit. So usually rules like this are deficit tardies. For him, it's any unit. In reserve gains outflank. And that's awesome. That is, that is, that is amazing. Because any unit. It could be Sakaran. It could be, um, like you talk about your Punisher Sakarans. <laughs> um, yeah. Also, I think some I of ours get a rule where they reroll ones on reserves. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah. I love that rule for running uh, like a talent of two contemptors with uh, like a grab fist and a curies. Right. And flanking that, that can be very, very, very good sometimes. It's not always good. It's, it's situational, but there are times where that is a brutal thing to have come on someone's flank. They, if well, they don't have answers for it, it can be a real problem. And I mean, and on the flank could also mean like their deployments too a lot of times, right? And mm -hmm. uh, that can be really, really good. Like, you could be their second turn with things that should not be allowed to outflank, technically. Like, there's a reason why lots of stuff don't Exactly, outflank. and they're right he, in your face, and that's right. they're getting into your back lines with, like, tactical marines. Or, like, if you have a big uh, infantry-heavy army and you're playing an army that is strong, uh, strong at um, objective scoring, which I think a lot of the best lists are, Two contemptors in your back lines can be a real problem. They're just so difficult to remove, right? And they're able to deal with yeah. a lot of stuff. Agreed. Agreed. Um, what do you think of his bombardment? Or the, it says point of the spear. So one is like the veteran tactical and just there and squad are troops. Uh, and the other one is his bombardment. Depends on how you play it. Um, we generally play it where we just acknowledge that it's... We never play it rules as written. We generally play okay. it uh, as... Uh, Actually, at our event, that's that that's the thing we I actually recently did. I, me and uh, AJ and our buddy uh, Teo, we we kind of were going through the the rules that we aren't really happy with that we don't think work as intended, and updated them in this uh, basically in a rata for our event specifically. And one of the ones that we updated was just to give to basically give Horace the same text that the uh, master master signal, yeah. I just I, I was thinking about that too actually it was like the weapon doesn't make sense right like it's not no, it needs not to be you wouldn't you literally would never use it 
it's very odd it's very yeah that's the other odd thing about it it's not it's not barrage and it's very strange because you have guys like uh, Perturabo where it's like written on that they can move and and still yeah. use it and like it it's and you this, know it's one yeah. of those ones where it's like i why haven't we got an faq for it but our group is pretty chill with stuff like that we we don't we're not just gonna like adhere to rules that we know are not as intended like that like this rule because definitely just, seems wrong because it doesn't make sense like you're firing he's also like, in terminator armor <laughs> so it's like yeah. he should also be he should also be relentless which is like a weird another weird detail that's missing but he's a he's a character that was written very early so it's yeah. the first primark essentially yeah. so well and you know being able having to take cover saves from this from the point of view of course doesn't make sense it needs to be barrage yeah right because like yeah. It, it just doesn't it just it seems wrong and it's something that they never bother to fix because nobody probably brought it up to them right so maybe if oh, i have brought it up to them i've sent them e i've oh, sent okay. a nude in many email <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't Not make many, sense but I, I definitely have right yeah, like remove it sure. then like remove it if you don't think if you think it's yeah. too powerful get rid of it right like uh, it just yeah, yeah, it's yeah. very strange. It's one of those. But one no, of those. like I said, our group is pretty chill. So we, we generally with rules like that, we we play them as intent. We're just like, I, I don't care how it's written. We play it as it's intended because this game is supposed to be narrative and fun. And like, my imagination doesn't like the idea of the most the the fucking war master being like, oh, I can't follow the move. I can't call on the things from the sky because I moved. Yeah, it makes no sense. Um, yeah, his his uh, armor is awesome. The serpent scales. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three, three plus, uh, invulnerable, and then being able yeah. to negate anything that affects his characteristic by three plus. That's, that's pretty very cool. good. Yeah. The yeah. Uh, as someone who's very familiar with rad grenades, that's uh, useful. Well, concussive too, right? When people hit you with a thunder hammer or whatever weapon is concussive. Yeah. On initiative one, you could be like, oh. uh, yeah, I think I don't believe that's I, I don't think that's how it works. I think that's been FAQ'd, but I'm not I'm not entirely sure. But uh, that's at the very least, I've never hmm, okay, yeah, I've never interpreted it that that it ignores concussive personally, but I could see. I just figure why why, why wouldn't it, right? That. Right, if you're if you, if it's uh, yeah, I don't know, I, I would have to look at it closely, yeah, yeah. I would have to look at it. Have a look. Um, World Breaker. Yeah. So World Breaker is yeah. awesome. Again, it's base strength 10, master crafted. Yeah. Unwieldy kind of sucks. Uh, what's happening there, Andy? What do you mean? Some kind of... Do you guys see that? Or is that just me? Oh, no, it's just me. Just you. No. Somebody's, somebody's hacking into my computer. I just had like a, a thing pop up. Like a weird. DOS screen. That's really weird. Okay. Anyways. Um, Someone yeah, so... You. Right? Creepy. But I'm recording it, so it's okay. Um, unwieldy kind of sucks, right? Um, it makes sense, because I think otherwise it would be, like, really good. Um, I think if if uh, Vulcan actually ever had given him the hammer that he made and he had Vulcan's hammer like oh like, Jesus on yeah, radar, know, right like that thing's like shrink the most, and it just death, crush like, everything yeah, yeah 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 I mean it's already good and imagine with six attacks right but uh, I mean world breaker is good 
it, it has its uses, right? I mean, it's it's also designed hand in hand with uh, God of War. The intention of I think is that God of War that does that rule, the uh, being able to wield both weapons individually. Uh, weapon mastery. Weapon mastery. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's designed hand in hand with that. So in that context, it's excellent. And then you got if talent. it were on its own, it would be yeah. Yeah, talent is where the meat and potatoes is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, it depends what you're fighting, right? But if you're fighting oh, for sure. marks, like the talent is the way to go. It's just like yeah. I actually usually do uh, five attacks on the claw and then one attack on the mace right. because the mace not only will can custom potentially, but it's just because you get that one reroll if he misses. Yeah, it's mastercrafted. That's right. I, I do too, personally. Yeah. Um, but definitely yeah. the talent is, is unreal, right? Like Shred. Yeah. Strength is user and he's got base seven, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, Shred is awesome and disable strike is just, just unreal. Once a yeah, exactly. once a phase minus one yeah minus one weapon minus one strength is just crazy, right? Yeah, I think that's why he's the uh, still probably the ultimate challenge primark. He's up there with Russ and uh, the Lion for sure in rules. Well, I think stuff. I think if you look at like statistically, um, he definitely beats Russ for sure because Russ now is not quite at the top anymore. Um, the lion, yeah. I mean, we don't know the lion's other rules, but they've released the close combat ones, so I still think. Yeah, I think we can make it better. somewhat of an assumption that it, because it's the only stuff that's affecting Primarchs is what's going to matter. So it's like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think so too. Um, I think Jagged Icon would do pretty well against him. Um, the only downside is, is again, well, he, he's just good, right? Like, I've had him fight other. Primarchs quite a bit. He does really, really well. Like he still has the, because he still has three plus invulnerable, right? Or am I wrong? Uh, he has a three plus uh, jink. Oh no, he does have a three plus invulnerable combat. Yeah, in, in combat, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think so I think too. So, so I, I mean, that makes a huge difference. Uh, Jekadai has just a sheer number of attacks. The only thing that he has to keep doing is doing the hit and run. Right, and I think that's what would make him. Oh, uh, maybe in that context, for. sure. I was a little confused. I was like, "How the hell is the con beating over?" And then I was like, "Oh, hit and run." I was like, "Okay, I see." Yeah, okay. Yeah. And yeah, he always hits. Have he always hits first too, right? The only downside is like yeah. world breaker. Like if you're using world breaker and you're concussing con and he's initiative one, he's probably not hitting and running as much. And then I think he'll he kind of loses that fight in the end, right? And I think he loses the fight in the end, period. But uh, I think people underestimate Khan. I know we're going to go over White's cars, but like I've done some math and I've done some roll-offs, and uh, he's actually quite a good primer. Like, he beats Russ 50-50. Uh, I mean, even if he's not... If he beats Russ, how does he beat Russ? Like, we've rolled it. Russ is so scary. I know, Russ is scary. Yeah, I mean, but have you actually done the math? Like, rolling is always... Math hammer? Sort of no. No, it's I, all about I, the rolling I, man. I, I mean, we could do, fair. we we could do it, we could do it. I just don't feel like spending the time to create somebody else. No, 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 add, that's uh, fair. And it's also very hard to math hammer rush. Yeah, because he's got like the two weapons, right? So what are you using, right? Well, uh, yeah, and then like severing, cut that's right, severing life. Yeah. Has, yeah, like, it can be so like if like you get that a few times down. off, it's the game's. Yeah, yeah. Over, right? yeah. Same yeah. reason Scoria is extremely hard to predict because it's like 
most of the time he's not going to do a lot of many wounds to a Primarch, but every once in a while he's going to do a lot of damage and you'll be like, oh god, what happened? The Primarch has two wounds left suddenly. <laughs> I think Magnus is probably the only one that can probably stand up to Horus. Yeah, but he doesn't count, let's be honest. I don't know, <laughs> I, I remember I remember Roloff with Gullman one day we had. Did you yeah, Gellerman sort of put in a position to... <laughs> Gellerman with some good rolls can definitely be... Can yeah. definitely be Horus. So like it's, that, is, it's the plus he's... one weapon skill, right? If Gellerman keeps getting the... If, like, Horus doesn't yeah, get exactly. the Talon every turn, Gellerman can definitely get that yeah. uh, head start of hitting on threes. Yep. And they have the but... same strength on their main weapon, and yeah, there's a lot... There's, and then he can just change over the fist, which is default strength 10, so reducing his... Yeah. Uh, Strength doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, but for sure. Um, well, no, Gilliman's fists, I think, are times two. But either way, I think uh, Gilliman, where he shines, is that one reroll. Like, because he only has four plus and vulnerable. And with the reroll, I think if you roll well, Gilliman can do it. But if yeah, the uh, not as good, the invulnerable save. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Then the game, like usually the a yeah. lot of primarchs that are at the top. Like when you look at the primarchs at the top, majority of them have a three plus and vulnerable save. Like it makes a huge difference that oh for sure three plus in a challenge or you mean just in a challenge specifically yeah yeah i mean against other primarchs mm, yeah right but I'm yeah i can go anyway you know i fought i fought um and like that's not nothing to slouch at obviously because i think he's definitely one of the scariest primarchs in the game by far but i fought uh sanguinius with him and he got Shit stomped pretty bad by Sanguinius, and I was like, "But that's the that's the dice, right? That's the yeah. dice gods." Well, I don't know if you've seen our Primarch battle, but the first one was Horus versus Perdurabo, and I saw that Perdurabo won, right? I can't even believe. Like, I was rolling for Horus, <laughs> and I wanted to like throw the dice. That was a good night. I couldn't even believe it. I was like, well, "How is this?" Perdurabo is a weirdly nasty challenge, Primarch though, too, with that freaking combination of concussive and uh what do you call it um but like we were using all the rules blind. yeah like i was ignoring concussive on three plus i had three plus and vulnerable he has three plus and vulnerable horse has more attacks higher weapon skill like no he doesn't have a higher weapon skill but it's just like horse is just a little bit better than put period yeah you would and expect I, him to beat him for sure yeah and, and just, you're just rolling like shit three rounds to be honest <laughs> yeah it was it was bad it was bad yeah bad yeah yeah, yeah. And then uh, teleportation matrix. Do you ever use that? I use it almost every time I play him. So you do? You don't put him in a in a draw pod. You you drop them no. together. I usually run in with uh, just Aaron. I basically take whatever points I'd be putting into a Charybdis and put it into more just Aaron. And okay. I usually run seven or eight of them with him, all with Kami Meltas. Mm -hmm. So I can drop them down next to a super heavy or something. Uh, if I'm fighting a Porphyrion or something like that, I can literally drop down behind it, drop eight combi Melvis into its butt, plus his bombardment, depending on how you play it. Um, yeah, because it is one of those things. It's like, if you're not gonna... If you're gonna play him like that, you need to have an answer for things like Typhons and stuff, because otherwise you're just going to get, you're going to deep strike and then be stuck there and taking large blasts. So I usually yeah. try to make sure that I have enough uh, sort of high, high strength fire striking along with him to, yeah, to yeah. try to, to try to deal with some of the threats at least. Yeah. 
You almost even if you but, drop yeah, it behind it's a, super powerful. Yeah, because even if you drop it behind a peripheron and he puts the shield back there, you still need enough firepower to if you don't kill it, you need to be able to shoot in the front and kill it with something, right? Because the last thing you want is mm-hmm. for that peripheron to turn around, move, and fire four blasts. Yeah, for sure. But even then, you know, right? it's like statistically the odds are fairly good of you killing most things with eight combi melters too like that are hitting on twos unless you're you know it's not going to kill things like spartans obviously with uh ceramite but it can it can or not not kill a spartan but it can kill things like uh knights or things like uh warhound titans or it's it's a good equalizer I find, and then his bombardment is really good for knocking off an extra hull point too, because it's uh, ordnance and uh, 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 lance. Well, strength well. ten, yeah, strength ten lance. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, he's definitely uh, he's definitely awesome. He also has a cognitive signum, by the way. Don't forget that. Which is yeah, very uh, very nice. Sometimes. I I always forget that with Gallman. Yeah, he has it too, okay, and I I always forget it. Because I always use my master signals one, right? And then, yeah. and then all of a sudden, it's like, oh yeah, Gallman has one too. <laughs> well, I've had it. I've used it, and it's. I've had it work in hilarious situations before. Where like, I remember once I had it, and I was like, well, I have to deep strike first because I have first turn. I was playing against a drop army, and then I was like, oh well, fuck it. I'm just gonna deep strike Horus, put him in a position where I know that they're gonna counter deep strike me. <laughs> And then as um, I can't, I think it was a uh, Leviathan with a Grav Flux jumps out. He's like, ha ha ha, now I'm going to kill all your just there. And I was like, oh, are you? It's like, it's like no, sorry, man. Cognitive Signum is also an augury scanner. <laughs> it's like, dump a combi Meldas into the, into the uh, Leviathan. Didn't kill it, but stunned it. Stopped it from annihilating my unit, so it, it can be used in ways that you wouldn't necessarily think sometimes too, which is great. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, I love their color scheme. Like the dark green is is really cool, right? Like I know a lot of it is black too, but like sea, sea green or whatever they call it, Lupercal green yes. now or something like that. My my sons of Horus are very uh, light sea green. Hmm. Um. But yeah, I do. I do really, really like it as well. It's just um, so. It's just that it's 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 a very appealing color, right, for the heresy. Because I mean, a lot of the, if you actually start looking at a lot of the legions, you know, um, a lot of black, a lot of there's a a few red, and like even uh, even the blue and white, like, (laughs) you know. Um, I'm a sucker for the black and red, though. I think, but, but probably awesome. four thousand yeah, points. Of I what can't. I've got painted is black and red. I'm literally painting a Just Aaron Contemptor right now. My second. Yeah. I always want to paint. Colors. I always want to paint red and black, or red or black, like it was an army. But I just yeah. The the one LVO we went to. That's all I seen. <laughs> it's just a sea of red and yeah, black armies right now. Like, well, <laughs> that's totally fair. Black is I, also really. I, I get that. Black is really tough to do well, right? Like you can do black, but if you want it to look like really good, I find that yeah, it's not the easiest color because it shows everything, right? It's, it's usually yeah, I had to, I changed my recipe for it very heavily in the last two years, so I now I have a bunch of stuff that's very simple and 
doesn't really have much shading. It just kind of has some highlights. But now my new stuff is all airbrushed with uh, three three different shades of gray over the black. So it's a little nice. more, um, yeah, it's a little nicer now. But yeah, you're right. It, it, it's it's not that hard to do black if you find a scheme that works. You can find somewhat simple, good schemes if you have the skills and you take the time to actually learn it. But you're right. Like when I started painting my Sons of Horus, it was just like the most boring, like crappy black. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of ways you can approach it too, though. And the, speaking of painting, you should check out uh, John's Instagram. Um, he's got some uh, pretty oh, wicked looking you. stuff. Like your mechanicum we... and your weathering. Okay, so I'm going to say you know, that we're going to yeah. have it at the bottom. Can we add your Instagram to the bottom and then people can click and, and yeah, for sure, cards. totally. Oh, for sure. Because yeah, yeah, we'll definitely. Do I have that. a lot of hobby pictures on there. That's for sure. <laughs> well, I remember the first time <laughs> that I talked with John was uh, when we had one of his some of his pictures up on our uh, at the end of our uh, YouTube videos. Yeah, I so, appreciate that. Well, that was awesome. So, I think that's Wait. I think that's it for us. Um, I mean, anything else, John? You want to say about the Sons of Horus? Yeah, they're fun. Um, they're I love playing them as a Legion. I still they they are definitely like um, I only play Sons of Horus and Mechanica mainly, and I play I have Custodes, but I haven't really played them that much, and I'm just slowly kind of plugging away at them because I basically just like the models and wanted to have a loyalist legion or a loyalist army that wasn't uh, Astartes but Sons of Horus are definitely a really fun project if you have any passion for the hobby I find them really rewarding because they play exactly how you would imagine that they would play and it's a very fun play style especially when you play Horus himself and you actually start using outflanking maneuvers and using you know, using using things like plasma gunner squads that are like executing things really quickly and and stuff that you know that the Sons of Horus would be kind of known for, like ruthless, just like jumping down and and cutting the head off the Hydra sort of sort of, sort of stuff. Um, but there's also a ton of really good art for them. Um, so. Yeah. yeah, anyone who's listening, if, if anyone is actually listening and they're listening to this for inspiration on how to start start the Sons of Horus, I think they're they're a fun legion. And they're one of those legions that despite the fact that you know currently they're, they aren't the most fleshed out, I would say, because they don't have a lot of special units. They only have two rights of war. Um, you know they will be down the line. They mm -hmm. will have, you know, Luperkai are obviously coming. We will get more rights of war. Right. I'm sure Horror Horse will get updated rules. I'm sure Reavers will get updated rules. I'm sure Hor uh, Abaddon will get updated rules. Um, but they're pretty fun. They're a fun project. Yeah. I, I also find that even though we talk about how they should be played, being Horus and being the best at everything, realistically, you could technically yeah. build any army and you could be like, yeah, sent a horse plant. That's that's right? what's they great about them, right? right? That's why I have ten thousand points. Yeah. I play so many different types of armies with my sons of Horus. I play drop lists. I play armored assault lists. Uh, I'll play. Uh, I have like a Titan killer list that I play that's just like all. Uh, 
basically just Aaron in armor 14 tanks like Spartans and uh, Land Raiders and stuff with a falchion at the back that's just like my it's like I call it my my Titan killer list because it's basically my fluff for it is the idea it's just like horror sending out the big guns to go eliminate a big threat you know nice um and I just feel like a lot of legions can be so one-dimensional and not necessarily well they can't some legions can tend to be one-dimensional and that's that can be fun if you want to play them in a smaller as a smaller force but sometimes if you're like me and you want your collection to be sort of fleshed out it can be a little limiting Mm -hmm. so they're good for that that's for sure Yeah. Okay. I think uh, I think we'll end it there. Um, thanks, John, for joining us. And yeah, you guys Definitely. check out his uh, check out his Instagram. Um, yeah. Click like, share, subscribe to our, our stuff if you like watching us, listening to us. I mean, check out our YouTube page. We've got lots of uh, battle reports. Um, there's going to be another 30k battle report coming out at the end of this month. We're finally with through this covid where we're okay seeing a couple other people so you're going to see the second part of emperor's children versus alpha legion coming out and then next month is going to be part three so it's a little mini campaign that we are playing through Uh, as you can see the game back behind me is still set up for game two um, and it's been like three months now anyway so yeah um again thanks john andy yeah do you mind if i uh, plug Plug oh, my, you my, do my your thing, John. Awesome. So yeah, we have a podcast uh, called Boys of the Golden Throne. It's a small, small podcast. Uh, we're here in Victoria, British Columbia, just across the pond. Well, not really across the pond, but across land from uh, um, the Bad Tabletop guys in uh, Edmonton. Um, and we have a podcast. We've been going for a while. I think we've been going for about two and a half years now. Uh, we've got we put out 50 episodes so far and if you are into narrative heresy gaming and lots of uh not safe for work talk uh i would recommend uh, giving us a listen and uh yeah check us out at uh boys of the golden throne or the boys of the golden throne on facebook and uh yeah whatever podcast apps you have if you're looking for another podcast and we'll add that at the bottom as well awesome thank you yeah yeah all right again thanks john for coming out and uh yeah thanks for having me say hi to the other guys too for us the uh, other brother legionnaires to the west (laughs) for sure i just feel honored that i could come on and talk about my my favorite legion oh it's it's great i've been invited by two podcasts for it nice it's great i think a lot of us were planning to come to the tournament you guys were putting on this year right yeah 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 so but that you know that it'll it'll work out in the end we're gonna do it again next year it'll probably be the same format and the same name and everything we're not we don't consider it canceled technically we consider it postponed yeah and i mean we feel the same way we had to postpone ours as well right like we yeah it's been the worst right yep yeah for sure 